Welcome to the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist@extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. Acts 5, we're going to look at a, a very sort of um, perhaps difficult to understand passage. So I want to read Acts 5 verse 9. Why have you agreed together to put the Spirit of God to the test? Scary, scary chapter. Well, I just have a few things to introduce before we look into the Word, but you can turn to it now in Acts 5. One. But someone said once, just call it a business expense. No one will ever know it's for the house. Has a salesman ever said that to you in order to close a deal? You know, I've, I've certainly heard many people try and justify marking down personal expenses as business ones. But I just think, you know, what is, is, is the blessing of God worth? It is worth far more than a few dollars of tax deduction. Amen? And are, are a few dollars of tax difference worth the loss of God's blessing on your life? You may be wondering what all this has got to do with it. Bear with me. Come with me. Maybe you're not interested in, in, in ever being in business or running a business, but you work for other people. But maybe you've claimed a few more work expenses than, than you should have. Have you ever cheated the boss by being late or taken longer to, at lunch break without asking? That's stealing time. See, God is watching over you. And our, our personal integrity is a very important foundation to our life. 2 Chronicles 16.9. Uh, let's turn to that. Oh, I've got it. You don't have to. For the eyes of the Lord move to and from throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. We've just about talked about that this morning, haven't we? Through the songs, through the time of communion. But God is watching. He's brooding around the earth. He sees the word actually used is he's actively watching, scanning those who love him and those who don't. You see, our heart and our personal integrity are some of the most foundational stones of our life. So today we're in Acts chapter 5. And this is one of, as I said, one of the scariest readings of the Bible, mainly because it's in the New Testament. You see, we expect there to be some fairly disturbing content in the Old Testament, things we don't quite understand, like war and killings and mysteries, you know, things we just don't quite handle or get in a head around. But didn't all that change with Jesus? You might be asking in the New Testament, well, the answer is yes and no. And that's why I've called this message, New Season, Same Foundation. New Season, Same Foundation. So we're going to be talking quite a lot about our foundation this morning, because I believe this is the, this is the backstory to this chapter. 
You know, one of the many things that Aaron and I do at work is to build foundations. We build foundations for roads, for buildings, for car parks, and for people. And we don't take it lightly because we know that everyone who builds after us is trusting the foundation. So important. So as we turn to Acts 5 this morning, I'm I'm just hoping we'll gain a fresh uh, understanding of this quite scary passage as we just unpack this mystery of God's new covenant wisdom. So let's read verses 1 to 11, Acts 5. We're reading from New American Standard today. But a certain man named Ananias, with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property and kept back some of the price for himself with his wife's full knowledge. And bringing a portion of it, he laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the price of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not under your control? Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. And as he heard these words, Ananias fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came upon all who heard it. And the young men arose and covered him up, and after carrying him out, they buried him. Now there elapsed an interval of about three hours, and his wife came in not knowing what had happened. And Peter responded to her, Tell me whether you sold the land for such and such a price. And she said, Yes, 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 that was the price. Then Peter said to her, Why is it that you have agreed together to put the Spirit of the Lord to the test? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they shall carry you out as well. And she fell immediately at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in and found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her outside, beside her husband, sorry. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of those things or these things. Pretty amazing day when you head off to church, didn't realise you had to take your spade. (laughs) So on the surface, um, this account of an early church milestone, is this all right, this mic? Yep. And some would call it a travesty, perhaps. But this amazing moment in the church's very early days would appear to be about money or the love of it. But as with most scripture, there's actually another layer that we need to look at today. And our first reaction could be that the penalty didn't seem to fit the crime. Ananias and Shapira died at offering time. So let's examine the facts. A well-meaning couple, very likely new believers, come with a rather large gift of money. They're willing to give most of a large asset to the apostles. But 
Just in case this community living gig didn't work out, they decide together to take out some insurance. They keep enough money back for a rainy day, or possibly enough to retire on and give the rest. So up to this point, from a worldly perspective, they were perhaps being quite wise and quite astute. And it actually was their money. They could decide. Peter even agrees it was theirs to give or not to give. Perhaps they were childless and no one would provide for them in their old age. Perhaps they had dependents that were unbelievers. And maybe they were just a bit unsure about the health care of this new community and whether it was included in this new way of life. But where it all went pear-shaped really was when they made out that it was the full amount received for the property when it wasn't. They lied. And we're not given the exact wording that they used when the gift was given. But somehow Peter inspired and and filled with the Holy Spirit in him and on him and over him, he just perceived that they were putting God to the test. Something's wrong here. Peter picked it up. Their giving lacked a heart of complete surrender. We've talked about that already this morning. And it was based on a lie. This deception came at a time of great growth. Perhaps if it happened today, many would be tempted to overlook the sin in view of all the benefits. But the Holy Spirit saw not only the lie, but the spirit behind it. But the ultimate reason, this next layer, the layer I want to talk about this morning, that I believe for this harsh result of lying to the Holy Spirit, was that God who is holy, we've sung about that, holy is the Lord could not allow his church to be built on anything but a solid foundation of truth. Foundations are important. This was early days. Jesus had just left and the church was growing exponentially, but there was just this undermining deception that came in through the back door. When Christ told Peter in Matthew 16, verse 18, that upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not overpower it, he was actually referring to Peter's revelation of who he was, that he was the Christ, the Son of the living God. He wasn't about to build his church upon a man, about Peter, it wasn't all about Peter, but rather the the revelation that Peter had that he blurted out in verse 16 regarding Christ's preeminence, his position and his nature. Peter got it. And Christ said, upon that revelation, I'm going to build my church. He wanted many more to get it as well. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And upon that foundation, the church would stand and withstand attack from within and without. So 2,000 years on, give or take a few years, 
The church is still growing and is withstanding attack. Terrible, terrible persecution in some parts of the world. To allow Ananias and Sapphira's deception to contaminate this foundation of truth with their lies would have weakened the church for all eternity. Praise God for his uncompromising wisdom. What foundation are we laying for those who will follow after us? And what value do we place on truth in our lives, in our homes, in our workplaces, in our businesses, and in our church? You see, any unconfessed sin, I want you to get that, any unconfessed sin will weaken our witness. Don't let the the confessed sin bog you down. That's gone from the east to the west, as Malcolm said. But we mustn't let any unconfessed sin weaken our witness, our foundation. And if it's left unchecked, excuse me, will ultimately steal our joy in our heart for God. I love that hymn that Jeremy played through communion. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, our Lord. I'm just going to read some of the words to you now. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, her Lord. She is his new creation by water and the word. From heaven he came and sought her to be his holy bride. With his own blood he bought her, and for her life he died. Elect from every nation, yet one o'er all the earth, her charter of salvation, one Lord, one faith, one birth, one holy name she blesses, partakes one holy food, And to one hope she presses with every grace endued. Verse 3 is pretty scary. Though with a scornful wonder men see her sore oppressed, by schisms rent asunder, by heresies distressed. See, some of the attack comes from within. Yet saints their watch are keeping, their cry goes up, how long? And soon the night of weeping shall be the morn of song. I believe there's some of you here this morning, felt the Lord say this, that some of you are in a night of weeping. And the Lord wants to bring you into a morn of song. Don't stay in that night of weeping. It, it will pass. It will pass. And you'll come into that morn of song. I'm just going to skip over to the last verse. Yet she on earth hath union with the God, the three in one, and mystic sweet communion with those whose rest is one. O happy ones and holy, Lord, give us grace that we, like them, the meek and lowly, on high may dwell with thee. In 1928, the Sudan Interior Mission sent the first missionaries 
to the Walamo tribe of Ethiopia. Maybe I'm saying it incorrectly, but the Walamo people were Satan worshippers. And um, due to the fact the kids are in, I'll spare you the details of what was involved in their worship. I'm sure you don't need a lot of imagination, but there was a lot of horrors in their practice. It was challenging work for these missionaries, but after nine years ministry, there were 48 new believers. Hey, it's good, isn't it? Sadly, in 1937, Mussolini's Italian soldiers overpowered the unprepared Ethiopian army and ordered all the missionaries out of the country. With the missionaries leaving or removed, the Italians tried to destroy the tiny church by beating and whipping the local church leaders remaining. Toro, a leader in the Walamu church, hid for six months before being captured and given 40 lashes. Lying on a prison cell floor, fighting for his life, he received a vision of Jesus saying, don't be afraid, you are my child. After a slow recovery, he resumed preaching, only to be arrested, stripped naked, beaten, and given a hundred lashes in public. Afterwards, the jailers taunted him, saying, where's your God now? Not too long after that, a violent storm violently suddenly hit the jail, tearing the roof off and weakening the mud walls. Most of the prisoners easily just stepped out and escaped, but Toro waited to comfort the frightened jailers. Fear had gripped them, and they begged Toro to pray that the storm would stop. They promised to release him if God himself called off the storm. They kept their word, and Toro returned to preaching. The missionaries returned in 1943, not sure what they would find for all their hard work of laying a foundation of faith and truth. The tiny church of 48 had grown to 18,000 people of believers in six years. Now that's a solid foundation, amen? <laughs> That's a solid foundation and a fulfillment of Jesus' prophetic words in Matthew 16, 18. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. What would Jesus say to the Kiwi church today, post-COVID, living in a confused, well, I shouldn't say post, perhaps mid-COVID for some, Living in a confused, fearful, mixed up world where people get offended very easily, <laughs> where the only solid foundation is Christ and Christ alone. 
Can we say amen to that? Amen. He's our rock. I'd like to humbly suggest that he's saying to us this morning, repent of anything that's standing in the way of complete surrender to my lordship and build or rebuild your foundation on the rock of revealed truth that I am the way, the truth, and the life. See, he is the Christ, son of the living God. Nothing is impossible for him. Whatever it is you're struggling with today, he is the answer. Whatever you need is, he is the provider, and whatever holds you back or holds you captive this morning, he's your redeemer. Can we rebuild a broken foundation? Absolutely. But it's harder for sure. It's time-consuming, and it costs heaps. But hallelujah, Jesus paid the price in full. We just need to do the rebuilding with him. Focusing on him brings the task of rebuilding into perspective, you know. Sometimes we've got our Baptist-tinted glasses on. Sometimes we've got our Pentecostal-tinted glasses or our Anglican. I'll see you there, Brian. <laughs> Tinted glasses. But I reckon we need to have heroes-tinted glasses. Ooh, did you see what I did there? <laughs> We need heroes-tinted glasses instead of seeing problems. That way, we'll see problems as challenges to overcome. Having said that, he is to be feared. He is a holy God. He never changes. He's solid steel. The God of Acts 5 is the same Yesterday, today, and forever. And maybe the season of grace, praise God, we live in the last days, the days of grace. Don't leave here today with anything undealt to or unconfessed. But the foundation stays the same. The foundation. What's your foundation today? I guess I'm challenging you and me that we are on solid rock, that we are on that solid rock foundation of Christ. For the eyes of the Lord move to and from throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. We've sung about that. There's a key right there. When our hearts are right with God, we don't lie to the Holy Spirit. We don't test the Lord with half-truths. When our heart's in it and our foundation is truth, Christ strongly supports our hopes, our dreams, and he empowers us to reach the world for him. Hallelujah. You in your small corner and me in mine. Amen. God, I'm just in awe of you today. Just in awe, and I wonder at your greatness. I don't understand you altogether, but Lord, the mysteries become clearer as we draw near.
in worship. As we draw near to your word, you unfold things, you unwrap them for us as we need them, like fresh manna every day. Lord, we just pray that we would surrender again that that heart that we've given to you. And Lord, we just pray that we'd also just continue to build on that foundation of truth and get rid of any half-truths, lies. Lord, we confess we've failed many times. ask you to come and walk beside us. Fill us. Be in us, around us, and over us, Holy Spirit. In the wonderful name of Jesus, amen. Thanks for listening to the Huntley Baptist Church Podcast. We hope that it has been an encouragement to you. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist at extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com.